Hi, I'm Mike Dilk and you're listening to the Relax Bank UK show. The show that explores all kinds of health topics relevant to you, your family and your friends. Each week I talk to expert guests from a range of backgrounds to inform and entertain you. So please do join the Relax Bank UK family and stay tuned. Hi, and thank you for joining me on the Relax Back show this week. I really do love putting the show together, and I do appreciate that you've decided to tune in and see what's up for discussion this week. First off, I have something, a guest that's a little different from my normal, but she's absolutely wonderful and a joy to chat with. Uh, it's a talk about reduce, reducing stress and worry over Christmas time, especially over money and budgets. We recently had a little Christmas party. We had 40 people in the house, but everyone brought a dish. So it, there wasn't too much pressure on us. And everyone brought like their favorite meal. We we spent and got some food, but it was nice that everyone brought their favorites and we had so much to enjoy. It is influencer Patricia Bright giving some ideas on how to enjoy the Christmas season on a budget. Then what is this? She was getting sick of me. She goes, there's mushrooms in the kitchen, under the couch, in the bathrooms, you know. So that's where we started. So we did start off in a small, small space. I have a fantastic story from Lavinia Bandari about how her company EcoRoots that uses fungus to make packaging materials as a way of reducing plastic and microplastic waste. Now, they've moved out of the bathroom into a factory, I'm glad to say. Uh, it's fabulously interesting. So please do join me for a great show. Thank you. This show is cool. When I was preparing for the show, and in particular my chat with influencer Patricia Bright, I realised actually that she does an awful lot of different things. So I took the easy way out and I just got her to introduce herself. So yeah, I'm Patricia Bright and I'm a digital content creator. I've been doing it for 10 years and my love was around, you know, makeup, beauty, fashion. And then I verged into the world of personal finance because I actually studied accounting and finance. And I realized that I wasn't as aware of what I needed to do with my money. And I realized that there were many other people watching me who weren't. So I went on a journey around understanding budgeting, um, investing, saving, and really learning more about that. And I shared that with my community. And I ended up realizing there were so many people on a day-to-day -day basis who weren't working out what to do best when it came to managing and organizing their money. So I made content around that and we built the community. Right. So you're a good person to chat to about this stuff. But it but it, it, it so. has but it has built up, hasn't it? I mean you've got a huge following. What what is it? How many people actually kind of follow you on, on social media and stuff? I mean, across the board, it would be, I don't like talking about numbers, but across the board, it will be around three or so million around the world okay. who have varied interests. Some love hair and makeup and fashion and clothing, and some want the nitty gritty of what ISA account should they be putting their money into. So a very diverse audience. Very good. All right. We'll, we'll crack on with the topic. I would just want to yeah. ask you one more question, because, again, on the electronic stalking, you came, came across this bit where you said you had no viral moments. And um, I thought, what do you mean by that? No viral <laughs> moments. Well, we're not talking about disease or sickness in that. No, I'll tell that. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of often people go viral in terms of growing really fast or something on social media really blew up. I really was on a slow and steady journey to grow, which I really appreciate. Okay, all right. Actually, that I've got to say that gives me hope because I 
I, I'm a podcaster. I've been doing podcasting a while. And my, my you know, I, I'm just not like I've got 3 million followers or anything. But each week I get 40,000 people listening and it's kind of slowly growing. So that story kind of gives me a bit of hope, I would say, uh, Patricia. So thanks very yeah. much. You build great depth like that. Let's let's hope. So look, all right, stress and Christmas and money. Now, Brits, we don't really like talking about money very much. Now, I know, I know your your background is a Nigerian background. Do Nigerians talk about money and this sort of stuff if they're concerned or worries? You know what? We do talk about it. We do talk about it. But I'm also Nigerian British. So there's yeah. the dichotomy of the parents who will really talk about it and the kids who don't really want to talk about it that much. However, fundamentally, people do want to talk about it. And even PayPal, they did the report recently about festive spending and literally 72% of people plan to budget. So they're thinking about it. They're planning on budgeting, but 40% are expected to overspend. So right. we still have some work to do on it as well. Yeah. So, and is, is Nigerians, is, is Christmas like a big, loud time for, like, have you got a big family that gets together and, you know, yes. a big party? I'd say yes, but my immediate family is a little small. So we can go to an aunt's house and it'd be big and festive. But my house, there's like five of us. So not too okay. big. Yeah. No, I, I I get it. So my, my, my wife's family is from Mumbai. Okay. Well, yeah. It's a big, loud, scare. Well, it's not scary anymore. When I first met them, it, frankly, it was terrifying. It was <laughs> <laughs> it was me and uh, actually my wife's cousin has married a Greek man. And like, if, if I think the Indian side of the family is loud, meet the Greek side. Bring it all so, together. Yeah. So what? It was like a whole load of Indians, a whole load of Greeks, and a pasty white Englishman in the middle. It was a bit scary. Sounds a little bit like my husband at the Nigerian and Ghanaian events. Exactly. But anyway, as, as, as far as uh, the point I'm kind of slowly getting to is that if you've got a lot of people coming to your house, you know, and you think, goodness, I've got to feed them, you know, this, this can cost a lot of money. So into, into finance. So let's look at your, your experience and, and finance. You know, what, what advice have you got for people? Maybe if they, they want to have that perfect Christmas or they've got a lot of people coming to the house. Yeah. What, and actually, what would you say? That point you just brought up is great because we recently had a little Christmas party. We had 40 people in the house, but everyone brought a dish. So it, there wasn't too much pressure on us. And everyone brought like their favorite meal. We we spent and got some food, but it was nice that everyone brought their favorites. And we had so much to enjoy. And fundamentally, Christmas is such a time for bonding and connection and family over just the gifts. And I think it's really important for people to remember that and not put too much pressure on themselves to um, spend too much this year. I think that's a great point. Actually, this Sunday, my wife's family is coming to the house and we're feeding 32. I thought we did well. You, 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 <laughs> you had 40 come to the house. Yeah. But then we didn't feed them all. They we all fed each other. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the, the same is happening in, in, in our case, and I think that's a really really good point. Yeah, sort of yeah. don't stress. And the, the other thing, which I must admit I've never got at all, uh, is this kind of trying to create the perfect Christmas, whatever that is. <laughs> whatever that is, I agree. I agree exactly. I mean, I'd say the perfect Christmas is one where everyone's full and there's no fighting. <laughs> no arguments <laughs> no yeah no arguments no i get it so 
I, I must admit, though, in some instances, I wonder if some of your sort of fellow influences might add to the problem and make people feel that they need to perform to make a show. Listen, the thing about social media, it's a form of marketing. It's a form of escapism. And we work in the world of online. And there's, of course, a commercialism to it. We're being advertised to on a daily basis, right? And we have the choice to decide what we want to consume and what we don't want to consume. We can always switch off. But also, we also want to know... Like, I love social media, by the way. I'm just trying to prod you a little bit. <laughs> I know. I love it as well. We want to find the people that we connect with and align to our values. And actually, one of my jobs was always about finding the best bargains, the best offers, the best products online and sharing that to other people and say, hey, I found this great deal. I found this beautiful dress. This lipstick is really lovely. If you like it, you have the choice. That is really what my job was always to do online. And I think people really appreciate online resources to help them make smart purchasing decisions. Right. And then also this, this idea of having to buy everyone a present. So you had 40 people come to your house. I bet you didn't buy a present for all of them. And I'm certainly not doing that for the, this Sunday. So Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that is a lot of pressure. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with wanting to buy people pre um, presents. But this year, we know that, you know, inflation is having an impact. We're talking festive mass right now. And people are aware that the budgets are going to be tighter. So we really want to make sure that people feel comfortable about making their choices to maybe buy less presents. I actually enjoy each other's company. Exactly. And gifts might be swapping. People are doing that. And yeah. So have you got any other little sort of tips for money saving? So I I, I must admit to one, which I was quite proud of, um, haven't done it yet, but I saw Christmas trees uh, for sale recently with roots attached. I thought that's a great idea. I'm going to buy one of them, stick it in a bucket and keep it till next year. And so kind of things like that, which actually can end up saving quite a lot of money. That's exactly what my parent-in-laws do. They've had the same tree for about nine years and they put it back in the back garden and bringing out every single year. Is so it getting bigger and bigger? Does it still fit in the house? No, it's literally twigs. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like scatty. It's not the best tree in the world, but they love it. Um, but some of the other tips. So one thing that I do is over the years I've had perfume after perfume after perfume and maybe makeup that I haven't been able to have the chance to use and my friends come around and you know I make a little mulled wine and they bring some items that they haven't used or colors that, that didn't suit them or clothes that didn't suit them and we do a swap they come around and we swap and we have a great time and that's our version of gift giving that sounds like a nice idea I like the sound of that yeah, yeah. um I remember as a kid well, I, I love Christmas. I think lots of children love Christmas. And uh, at the end of kind of this kind of orgy of present unwrapping, we were knee deep in, in wrapping paper. Yeah. And uh, so recently we've tried to cut out the wrapping paper because actually it's, it does save money and it also it's not good to waste. So we made a whole load of material bags in, with some leftover material. And we shove presents in there and then keep them from year to year and use them for birthdays as well, that sort of thing. Yeah. 
that's a super good thing to do. It's also super sustainable as well. So love that. My again, my father-in-law, he uses old newspapers. <laughs> Does he? Yeah, I he think does. I've got an idea. I've got a lot in common with your father-in-law here. <laughs> He does it, and the kids are used to it as well now. Yeah, excellent. Um, what else for uh, keeping costs down? What about in the ent entertainment kind of uh, way? Because, you know, if if you take your family out for a Christmas show, this can be really expensive. So some sort of other things to do? Well, actually, from the report from paper, it was saying that one in four people are um, one in sorry, four in 10 people are redeeming loyalty points. So I think that finding what loyalty programs you are connected to entertainment activities or like, say, cinema programs where if you get a certain package or something, you get discounts and offers. Those are a great way to find um, cheaper options for yourself when it comes to festive spending. Okay, so actually, I'm, I'm going to chuck in another one of mine here, and I'll bet you're going to say that your father-in-law does it as well. I so that's basically quite, the same. Quite often, I'll, I'll I'll take the family to the amateur amateur dramatics show at Christmas time. All right, and, you know some of these are absolutely fantastic, and they're an absolute. You know, they they, they cost you know five pounds or ten pounds as opposed to fifty or sixty. Yeah. Um, for, for a, a professional show. And they can be great. Yeah, I 100% agree. Christmas is about enjoyment, friends and family and connection. But some of us do want to spend gifts and that's why I spend money on gifts. So budgeting is still an important part of that. Yeah, okay. Um, you didn't say your father-in-law did that one. So I'm featuring him in there. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't like the theatre. He, he just okay. wants to go on a walk. So... <laughs> you're different in that way <laughs> yeah I, I thought of another one actually uh and that's sort of doing some more like old-fashioned entertainments caroling get everyone caroling take everyone down the church sing some carols I mean that is actually it's a nice thing to do it's a community spirited thing to do and it's actually it's fun yeah yeah he does do that he does do the caroling I think I've been one time but I'm not good at, you know, standing out in the cold. So I leave that to him. You can do that. You can do, you don't have to be outside. You can be in the church doing that. That's quite nice. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not particularly religious, but you know, I do enjoy going and singing some carols. It's quite nice. For sure. You're going to have to hook me up with your father-in-law. I think we get on like a house on fire. He's probably listening. <laughs> so we've mentioned a few ways to try and uh, save a bit of money. Any, anything else that springs to mind? Fundamentally, it's about using the tools that are out there to actually track your spending, right? A lot of people shut their eyes and like hope for the best. But what we're saying or what the report is saying, it's okay to keep an eye. You can use tools like PayPal, check, check out and the app to look at your transactions and know what you're doing and be aware. Don't run away from what's going on and make smart decisions about it. Yeah, just be aware. That's probably uh, exceptionally good, good, good advice. Okay, right. So I, I guess the the final question, Patricia, is what are you what are you doing for, for Christmas? Well, actually, I've just booked flights to Ghana, so I want to spend um, Christmas in the sun. And we're not doing big presents this year because the trip is a, a, a present to us ourselves as a family. So yeah. Okay, that that sounds like a very nice nice thing to do. All right. Well, look. 
Patricia, have a wonderful Christmas. Say Merry Christmas to your father-in-law from me. And I will. Thank you so much uh, for chatting. No problem at all. Thanks so much, Mike. Plastic and microplastic waste and pollution is a big, big problem. One way to reduce the issue is to find alternative materials for packaging. And this is what Lavanya Bandria of EcoRoots has done. And um, I started off my chat with her by asking her, you know, exactly what are microplastics and why are they a problem? Um, so, my, so microplastics are essentially particles or plastic particles that are less five millimeters in diameter. And they're creating a lot of attention now, get, getting a lot of attention now because they're in absolutely everything. They're in the foods we eat, what we drink. They're even in the air, in the air we breathe. Um, so to put it into perspective, in a litre of drinking water, you can consume up to 325 plastic particles. So the whole plastic problem is becoming a huge issue. It is a huge issue. Um, it's severe. It's escalating. I think we we produce globally, we produce a whopping 400 mil million tonnes of plastic each year. And 200 million of this ends up, ends up in our oceans. Right. OK. So... I mean, this is this sounds pretty scary. We're eating food, so let well let's go back to the the the, the water. You know, you, you say there are yeah. a lot of microplastics in that. Presumably, those are tiny, a lot smaller than five millimeters. Otherwise, they can be sort of filtered out. But where where do they come from? Sorry, micrometers. Apologies. Sorry. Oh, micrometers. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe I misheard. All right. But the question still stands. You know, where where, where do they come from? So they come, they come from our, our oceans, from our marine, our food. So in the sense of, so if plastics are ending up in our oceans, then we're getting it through, filtered into our water. They're in things like the scrubs people use to exfoliate their face. Um, fish and mammals, sea mammals are eating this. And so when we start eating seafood, we're ingesting it through that. Um, it's in, it's in, our packaging. So if our products are our food is in plastic or our water is in bottles, we're getting microplastics through that. Um, right. So they're they're everywhere. I mean, we're now finding um, microplastics are being discovered in humans' lungs, livers, spleens, kidneys, all sorts within our human tissues. Goodness me! All right, <laughs> this this sounds pretty horrifying. Uh, what what are the knock on effects? You know, so if we are ingesting plastic, a lot of plastic, um, presumably it does matter. What does it do to us? So I think, unfortunately, it's um, not fully understood the, the impact on human health. But I do think it's pretty safe to say that it's a foreign object in your body and your body doesn't fully know, know what to do with it. So it's not a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, and, and presumably, I mean, it's not inert, is it? It's, it's not like it, it doesn't do anything. It won't just sit there and do nothing. It, it's, it's likely to do something. Yeah, so um, I think from, from what I've read, like I, I'm, not, um, I'm not a health specialist, I'm a food scientist, but um, from what I've read and what I've understood is it's, it's ending up, we're consuming it, we're inhaling it, it's ending up sticking in our tissues, on our, in our tissues, but it's also, we're also excreting it. So some does like any other foreign matter does get passed through but unfortunately not all of it does and it is ending up staying in in our bodies 
Goodness me. All right. Well, in, in my daily life, I do try and avoid um, plastic packaging as much as I can. You know, obviously, it's not it's it, it's not possible to all the time. But I, I buy a lot of my fruit and veg from the market and I buy them loose. I try not to use cling film. Um, I mean, I'm not anti-plastic. We do have plastic containers, but I, um, when I'm using them at home, I try not to put them in the microwave so they don't warm up and sort of stuff leach out of out of the plastic, that sort of thing, which, um, you know, all this stuff seems relatively sensible uh, to, to do, and we can all do that. But um, you've got another another option, another plan. Um, you're making packaging from something else. Tell us a little bit about that, Lavanya. Yeah, exactly. So um, we use mycelium, which is essentially the roots of mushrooms. They're a fantastic and incredibly interesting material. So I founded the company EcoRoots, and what we do is we create materials from mycelium. So we harness the potential of this natural root structure to create something fantastic. And um, how it works is we we introduce um, our fungus material, our different mushroom species, and it eats the agri-material we feed it. And this creates a lightweight biofoam that can directly compete with plastics, but more specifically with polystyrene. So this okay. is several, yeah. So several so, advantages over plastic. So it's about what you're, you're feeding your fungi, is that right? Yeah, exactly. So um, we're looking at different agric waste, agricultural waste sources, agricultural material sources, and we create different recipes depending on the different mycelium um, or fungal species, as well as a different agricultural material. And this is how we get the different properties in our products, such as strength, lightweight. It's lightweight, yes, strong. Um, it's got insulation properties, um, water resistance, fire resistance, to, to name a few. Okay, so I, I, I forgive me. I, I did a bit of uh, um, electronic sleuthing, and I, I know you're, you, you've done chemistry and you're a food scientist. Can you explain um, simply some of the nuts and bolts, how, how that sort of might happen you see you said what is happening can you kind of explain simply bearing in mind that i'm not a chemist at all like my mum was a chemistry teacher and my dad was an industrial chemist and i gave up chemistry as soon as i possibly could so i'm looking for a really simple explanation here. <laughs> um okay so if we kind of go back to, to to what mushrooms do so mushrooms in nature are nature's recyclers so they decompose organic matter and so what we've done is in terms of even in the business, even as EcoRoots, we've just taken inspiration from this process. So everything we do is we're trying to ensure that we have an impact at each stage. So the mushroom roots or the mycelium or mushrooms naturally will decompose matter. So we're introducing very specific matter to it. Um, we're trying to use agricultural waste supplies because that's what's freely available um, and that's right, what's what, local. Agricultural waste could mean almost anything. You're talking poo here? No, no. So we're we're referring to byproducts from farmers or from industrial processes like breweries, um, distilleries. They have all that, the agri-material that they, or the grains, that's spent grain. We're talking about 
um, wheat husks, oat husks, fruit pips, um, the peels that don't get used, the insides of corn that don't, doesn't get used. So any sort of any sort of waste agricultural byproduct, essentially. Um, and so as the mycelium gets introduced, as the so we choose different mushroom strains. So we kind of make a mushroom cocktail, and we put and we make a different agricultural cocktail. We call that the substrate. So. We introduce the mushrooms to the substrate and as it starts to digest it, it consumes it. So imagine like a human, we eat our, our dinner plate will have protein, it'll have vegetables, it'll have starch. So that's kind of what we do for the mushrooms. We create this recipe, this, this, this dinner for them and they eat it, they digest it. And as a result, then depending on what we feed it, they can get different properties Um or enhance their, their, their certain properties, and it'll completely consume all that agricultural material. And before the mushrooms grow, what we do is we denature that. So we apply heat to it. And nice. um, so that stops the, the process from happening any further. So, and that also makes sure that you are, when you receive the mushroom packaging, you don't end up with any mushrooms in your packages. Um, and through that process, we drive off any extra moisture, and that results in that very lightweight, lightweight product. Um, okay, so, so that's essentially right. the principle of how it eats the pro yeah product. So you get a load of mushrooms, you heat heat them up to kill them off, and then what do you sort of squish them all together to make packaging material? Um, no. So an easy way to to imagine it is if you it's how um so the mushrooms that we how we use it is not as you'd imagine a mushroom that you'd eat so we create like a liquid from the mushroom roots so it's multiple layers of so we take petri dishes we isolate spores mm -hmm. um on those petri dishes to make sure that we have pure cultures and we make like a, a liquid broth essentially and that liquid broth is what we put into our bags of material and then we mold them. So let's say you want your uh, crystal glass company and you want to transport your crystal glasses from A to B and you want perfect, you know, like if you see your current packaging, you have that those shapes that fit your glasses perfectly, the polystyrene that fits your glasses perfectly. So oh. we'll then create the mold to create those shapes and we will fill that with our product and it will grow to that shape because that liquid that we introduce into that agricultural waste. So if you can imagine, it's almost like tiny little pieces of straw or hay, that kind of size, a couple of millimeters thick, filled into, and that gets eaten up to form to form our product. So it, it is, we're specifically focusing on replacing the, the foam, the element, the, the polystyrene element. Yeah, yeah. So will it actually, will it grow to the right shape or do you have to form it to the right shape? But I tell you what, so, because when I was looking at this, I was reminded of, of something, a story I really like. I did think it was slightly bonkers. A few years ago, um, people were growing watermelons in rect rectangular shaped things. So they got rect rectangular watermelons, so they didn't roll away. And that, well, they could pack <laughs> them. And when I heard what you were doing, I thought, oh, I wonder if you could actually grow these this packaging into the right shape. Yeah, that's exactly it. We we grow it into the shape we want. So if um, or some a business wants or a customer wants and similar to what you said, it's 
um, we'll design a shape just depending on what we're, we're asked to. So if you have very specific product you want to be packaged, if you have a, lap, a laptop that wants a specific packaging that fits into a certain space, we can design the packaging to fit that exact shape. And essentially, yes, it, it's it's live. So mushrooms and fungus at the whole the whole process of our growing right till the end of it before the mushrooms fruit is all completely alive so we can grow it and manipulate it to the desired shape wow i really like the idea of having a kind of a live a, it's a living packaging i mean it does sound supremely weird it also sounds really quite complicated you know is, is there a big factory where this is happening I and mean, this this sounds like you know, you can't just do it in your shed. This sounds very complicated stuff. So, yeah, exactly. It, um, we, we do. But so I actually started growing it in my bathroom because well, you could okay, create so you almost, did start at home. Fantastic. Yeah, so you could, um, you know, in the bathroom you have steam, you have heat because you're showering. And um, so I was growing it in my, in, I, I was living with my sister at the time and we're growing it in the flat and she was getting sick of me. She goes, there's mushrooms in the kitchen, under the couch, in the bathrooms, you know. So that's where we started. So we did start off in a small, small space. Um, but the problem with fungus is they are very specific, right? So they like certain environments and they're easily contaminated. So a factory to ensure consistency and um, just, purity essentially to make sure that you're actually growing the strains you want clean rooms and a clean sterile environment is incredibly incredibly important so um we did a lot of our lab work with with where we're like i said we're a small company we're the start of a company so we're in the process now of building our our big factory and so hopefully we should be able to be live end of end of 2024 um so at the moment we're operating out of a small pilot factory, but the the aim is to be able to to scale this up to produce masses amounts oh. of the packaging. And, and, and where is your plan for this? Where is the factory going to be? So all our all our manufacturing will take place in Cork in Ireland. Brilliant. That way okay. we have a lot of access to farmlands around us, local agricultural supply, um, and we can keep we can keep everything as costs in terms of carbon as low as possible because our yeah. transports are low yeah. and so this this packaging it, it's um it's single use presumably or, or or is it i mean can you use it again so we're constantly trying we're constantly researching so we're we're actually partnering with some universities um to to facilitate some of our research programs but at the moment, it is only single use. But what would happen is if you receive your product in our packaging, you could literally break it up, throw it into your garden and it'll compost. Um, I was well, going to ask if it, the ultimate recycling is you could use this packaging to then feed more mushrooms to do it all again. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, one of our products, which we um, create, is for seedlings. So imagine you go to your um, local gardening shop and you have those tiny little seedlings or those tiny little plants that need to be popped out and grown into put into your garden. So if you see our um, packaging in in your garden shops, um, 
you could take the plant that's in our mycelium pots and plant it directly into the into the ground and that mycelium mm -hmm. will almost act as a natural fertilizer for that plant and help it grow and completely disappear yeah okay i really i really like the sound of that what, what about the actual stuff it, itself so we you, you mentioned you've got packaging around glass for instance what what is the, is the packaging as good as the plastic you know what happens if the packaging gets wet or exposed to lots of sunlight you know that sort of thing um so yeah actually we we can directly compete because we're I mean, and like I said, all of this, we're just constantly enhancing it and making sure, I mean, a big goal of mine is to just make sure that we're on the cutting edge of the research. Um, we're already leaders in this in this field and we want to make sure we stay on top of that. Um, but the products that we have are water resistance and fire resistance. And so we've, we've tested our product with dry ice, we've left water in it, and it, it maintains its shape and its structure for a couple of weeks and um so that kind of especially if you know you're leaving your product outside in the rain and it's going to get a couple of days of rain it should not affect the product at all um but what it will do is because it naturally does biodegrade if it's left out in the in the open environment like that with excess heat and water and the natural elements for about three months that decomposition process will start. However, sure. if it's indoors, I mean, for, for businesses for uh, who are looking to make the switch, it's not a concern. So if it's indoors, if it's in storage areas, it will not start degrading. So you don't have to worry that you're using your packaging six months later and it's been on your shelf and it suddenly disappear. No, it'll only start degrading if it's really, really exposed to proper environmental um conditions like ending up in the ocean for instance yeah so that, yeah that, that's good to know so so if if it ends up in the ocean it'll it'll just rot away and and animals may well eat it will that be all right for them yeah exactly it's um it's completely non-toxic um we're using all natural ingredients we have no hazardous chemicals in our process or any harmful additives so when it breaks down it's it's pretty much agricultural material and mushroom remnants. Okay. Now, when I was uh, thinking about this, I suddenly came across lots of other things that are made out of uh, mushrooms, essentially, uh, in including clothing, uh, shoes, all kinds of stuff, ropes. Um, are you, are, have you got um, plans to kind of branch out from packaging and make other stuff as well? Because it, it seems... When you start looking at it, it's, it's almost the sky's the limit in this on this kind of uh, idea. Yeah, no, it's a phenomenal, um, it's a phenomenal um, material, and it's it's got. I mean, that's kind of what we're saying. It's mycelium is magical, and how do we unlock the potential magic of it? So yes, there are. Um, you do have to be a little bit careful when you start talking about magic mushrooms if you still want to be taken oh, uh, seriously. Yes, sure. yes, yes. Sorry, <laughs> we're not going down that route. Um, <laughs> Yes, that is a very good point. Um, no, it, it is. It's a very powerful material, and it's the idea of how we unlock it, unlock it, and we really understand um, nature's potential. So, in terms of going back to what you said, in terms of the leathers and the materials, so there are quite a few companies focusing on this. I think Bolt Threads has come about, um, for example, and they are creating leather out of this. I, I on the other hand, want to focus on the strength and 
the technical strength and the insulation properties of this material. So we're starting off with packaging material. We're trying to get our research as thorough as possible because long term, what we want to try and achieve is insulation materials. I mean, with the whole Grenfell problem that we've had, the construction industry is looking for solutions. So our 10-year plan is to kind of end up in the construction industry, create insulation for buildings, create building materials that have a lower carbon footprint that can have a better impact on our environment. The insulation one does sound very interesting, although I can see that being uh, tricky because insulation has to last forever. Packaging, as we've spoken about, just lasts a little while. And then you don't mind if it rots. You do mind if your insulation rots after a few years. Yes, and that's why research becomes critical. So that's where um that's where a lot of our research is, is to make sure that when we develop these, so we already have water resistance and fire resistance properties, but we want to take this to a level where it's waterproof and fireproof. And that way it'll ensure that you don't have rotting materials. And a big part of this is the awareness factor, right? So if you think about mushrooms, you don't want, we already spoke about it, but you don't want mushrooms ending up in your post at home when you get your package. And similarly, fungus is negatively associated with buildings. So we're trying to say you won't get fungi in the typical sense that you imagine with the building in terms of rot, but it will be a strong, completely safe material that actually we're just trying to create awareness about the product and make sure that people don't perceive it in a negative light um yeah. going forward because that's yeah, no, well, well you, you you've been very successful with me as far as that's concerned I oh think well, the that's whole, brilliant <laughs> the, whole, the whole idea is, is 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 absolutely fantastic really interesting and um you know it's been a fabulously interesting talking to it now it, talking to you now if if other people are listening and think blimey i, I want to find out a bit more about this find out more about eco roots or possibly even you know there's a there's a factory who's busily trying to crate up a load of bottles or something and say, I need some help from someone like Lavinia. How can they find out a bit more and how can they contact you? Uh, so we're for more information on EcoRoots and our materials and our packaging and our updates, um, you can find us on social media platforms. So we're on, e- on Instagram at ecoroot.s. We're also on LinkedIn for any businesses, um, EcoRoots Limited. Our official website is ecoroot.co. Um, but if you can't find us there, it's quite easy to Google us at ecoroots, materials made from mycelium, and you should be able to find us. Brilliant. All right. Look, Lavania, thank you so much for chatting. I really enjoy talking to you and find it very interesting. So many thanks. No, thank you so much for having me, Mike. It's been great. Thank you very much to my guests on this week's show and they were influencer Patricia Bright talking about having Christmas on a budget and Lavinia Bandria of EcoRoot talking about fungus used for packaging. And of course, a big thank you to you for listening and have a healthy week until next week. Thanks for listening to the Relax Back UK show. Join me, Mike Dilk, again next week for more fascinating interviews and chat. If you're listening to the podcast version, please subscribe, like, and share it with your family and friends. And have a healthy week. Until next week.